Rolling Stones magazine released an updated version of the top 500 albums of all time. A list like this was bound to spark controversy. So I'm here to give my opinion on how these albums stack up. I'm Gibbs, and welcome to the Rolling Review. What is up everybody, Gibbs here with number 448 on the Rolling Stones top 500 greatest albums of all time. It's Otis Redding with Dictionary of Soul. Though the complete name of this album is complete and unbelievable, the Otis Redding Dictionary of Soul. This is the fifth studio album by Otis Redding and would be the last solo album that he would release before his death, which, for those that don't know, he did die tragically in an airplane crash. And though this was his last studio album as a solo artist, he would release one more album in 1967 with Carla Thomas, but we're not here to discuss that, we're here to discuss Dictionary of Soul, which was released October 15th of 1966, recorded May 1966 through September of 1966. The genre of the album is Memphis Soul, was released on the label of Volt and Atco. The producers were Jim Stewart, Booker T and the MGs, Isaac Hayes, and David Porter. If the name Isaac Hayes sounds familiar, it's because he was a musician in his own right, but he also did a lot of films, and is probably best known by this generation as the voice of Chef on South Park. Dictionary of Soul features the Booker T and the MGs organist Booker T. Jones, who just did an outstanding job on this album. I really loved the organ throughout the whole album. It just really added a lot to all the tracks. And he deserves to be mentioned, as well as obviously Otis Redding, because of what a difference his playing made on this album and just made all the songs that much more special. I really like old rock and funk organ. The critical reception of this album was really well. Everyone scored it really well, giving it four out of five stars, five out of five stars. It did only peak on the Billboard pop chart at 73. It reached number five on the Billboard R&B chart and also produced two singles with Fa 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 Fa, Sad Song, and Try a Little Tenderness. I really enjoyed how the album was put together, though I maybe would have done it backwards to what they did, as side one is mainly cover songs from Otis Redding. He covered a lot of older songs and even some not-so-old songs at the time with Day Tripper by the Beatles, which I'll talk about that one here in a little bit. But he put all these covers on side one, and then side two was mostly all songs that he had wrote. And I think I maybe would just flip those up because you think that you would want to put your original work out first, and then as a bonus on that side two, give everyone cover songs and your interpretation upon those. But... It was set up in the opposite way, covers first and then his stuff, so I don't know. That's just me nitpicking, as I sometimes do with these albums. But that's 
what I would have changed there. Now, I'll be honest, I didn't really have a prior knowledge to a lot of Otis Redding's songs, with the exception of probably his most popular work, at least I think so, with Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. So, that is more of what I was expecting throughout this whole album, was just a lot of tracks that sounded a lot like Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. But what I found was Sitting on the Dock of the Bay was kind of um, outside of what at least this album produces. Because he puts a lot more energy and a lot more of that soul, as I believe the genre was Memphis soul. So you're getting that southern soul, I feel like, is more Memphis soul, southern soul. And you get a lot of that emotion in his vocals that you don't really hear on a track like Sitting on the Dock of the Bay. And I absolutely loved it. It just made me really fall in love with this album and really draw me in and made me become more of an Otis Redding fan knowing that he had these kind of capabilities. And as well as singing with the emotion, he also does some scat work, which for those that don't know, is kind of using your voice as more of just an instrument, not really saying words, but maybe just doing some rhythmic things with your voice. And he does that throughout the album, but especially on the opening track of Fa 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 Fa, Sad Song, as he kind of mimics that trumpet sound, and that's exactly what he was going for on this track, even noting that the lyrics were about his habit to hum or sing along with the horn lines, so he just decided to have a whole song where that's what it was. He was going to sing along with those horn lines, and it just really... It's not even an example of his best job doing that on this album as... I believe it was Hog For You, which is probably my favorite track on this album, where his voice mimics an instrument exactly. I had to really listen in and to be able to tell that it was actually him using the upper registry of his voice and mimicking a horn sound as it just sounded exactly like that. And it was just something very special that you don't get on every album is his ability to use his voice not just to project lyrics but using it as an instrument so earlier i cited that he did cover a beatles song with day tripper that wasn't that far from being released and i actually had to go back to re-listen to the beatles one because this one just blew my mind so then I had to go back and listen to the Beatles ones to make sure that I was hearing what I was hearing. And it was just so special because Day Tripper with the Beatles, you get that guitar intro and it's a lot of guitar. And instead of doing that, Otis uses a whole horn section to take over the guitar parts and it just... As a Beatles cover, it's probably one of the best Beatles covers I've heard. I know that on the Boys to Men album, we had a Beatles cover that I enjoyed 
but this one blows that one way out of the water because it's covered to the point where it's almost a different song entirely just because of him converting the guitar parts to a horn section it sounds like it fits in with the rest of the album it sounds like a Otis original on this album really he just did a great job whoever did the arrangements did a great job on that and he was able to again add with it with his soulful singing which the Beatles one has a little bit of emotion but is mostly a clean tone vocal by Paul and John this one just with soul and the horn section a plus cover and I keep going back to his very soulful vocal just because it was such a standout on this album it reminded me a lot of a James Brown almost with that kind of style where he added in the hoo-ha and that was horrible but you know what I'm getting at here with that James Brown style and it was a lot in that Otis style on this album so overall really good album to listen to I hope everyone that listens to this will go check it out because it is worth a really good listen and has a lot of good songs on it I did come away wondering though that if this wasn't Otis Redding's last solo album before he had passed away would it have made the list still because it's a really good album but it doesn't really have super noteworthy songs on it and again this is all from my perspective and I live in a really tiny world so I don't know everything there is to know about music but at least in my world I hadn't heard any of these songs before and it doesn't seem like it's a super celebrated album so it just raised the question in my head if he puts out another solo album would that one have been on here or if he hadn't put out an album but the album previous to this would have been the last one would that one just have been on here just because his time ended too soon and I wonder if Rolling Stone themselves kind of realized that that's why it got on here a little bit because on earlier incarnations of this list it was ranked as high as number 254 on the list of 500 greatest albums of all time so now we're looking at 448 almost a 200 album drop which just kind of helps support my thought of if this isn't his last solo album maybe it doesn't make the list and that's not to say that it doesn't belong on the list because it is a lot better than a lot of albums that I've listened to up until this point and I really enjoy this album I just wonder sometimes if Rolling Stone isn't just looking at it as an album but is instead looking at maybe the whole artist and outside of the album I feel like that's the main problem with this list is it's too much of outside noise and not focused on is this truly 
the best album. So just a little thought to put out there. But as I said, I really enjoyed this album. I thought it was a really good album. So I hate bumping it down any farther than what Rolling Stone has already dumped it down. But I think I am going to put it back at 456. Putting Manu Chow just above it. Just due to the popularity of the albums in front of them. I feel like maybe they sold better or had more of an overall impact. So 456 right now will be where we put this one. You can let me know what you think by reaching me, the rolling review at yahoo.com, or going over to Facebook and liking the fan page over there by searching at the rolling review. You can see the updated list there and leave comments if you wish. I think I'm also going to start posting the list on the Instagram account for the rolling review. So if you search on Instagram for the rolling review, I'm sure it'll pop up. And you can see the updated list there as well. Next time at 447, we go from 1966 all the way up to 2018 with Bad Bunny and X100 Pre. Until then, I'm Gibbs. This is the rolling review. Stay safe and be kind.